On the Sunday before, we celebrate the glorious resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. It's obvious that our attention today focuses upon the cross. And it does so because the cross is what really defines our Christian faith. It's the cross of Christ and not just that wooden cross upon which he died, but the entire experience that Jesus endured on the cross, his suffering, his death. It's all packed with significance for us. You see, without that cross, there would be no Christian faith. There would be no forgiveness of sins. There would be no hope for the future. There would be no eternal life. There would be no power for this present life. When we worship together today and we focus upon the cross, we need to understand that the cross is more than just a mere symbol, but it's actually the the reality of our Christian faith. And the cross is what makes our Christian faith unique among all the other religions of the world. There's no other religion around the world based upon a God who becomes man and is put to death and then rises from the dead. Only in our Christian faith do we have God taking upon himself the form of humanity, being born as an infant, living to adulthood, being executed as a criminal and buried then to be resurrected bodily three days later. Who could imagine such a thing as that? No one except the mind of God. In fact, the world finds this entire thought process to be ludicrous or preposterous. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians about the cross and says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Once again, understand that it is the cross that defines Christianity. The cross is what distinguishes our faith from every other belief system in the world. It would take a lifetime for us to seriously ponder and come to an understanding of the depth of the full meaning of the cross of Jesus Christ. In these past several weeks in the, in the series of messages entitled The Passion of Jesus, we have walked with Jesus through some of the last moments of his life. Today we'll take a, only a brief look at, at his time on the cross. But in that period of time from the scriptures, I think it should reveal to us very clearly that the cross reflects for us very powerfully the passion that God has in his love for us. You see, the Bible teaches us that the cross of Christ is a supreme revelation of God's love for his people. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this that he lay it down his life for his friends. The Apostle Paul would write in Romans 5, 8 and say, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Those are some things that we need to comprehend today as we come to consider the cross. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, beginning in verse 32, we read the account of the crucifixion of Jesus. We pick up the story at this point. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they were crucified. there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour. And darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. I would hope that even now, so many years removed from actual event of the death of Jesus Christ on that cross, when we read this small section of Scripture about the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we will come to some understanding and appreciation of the depth of the suffering for which Jesus Christ went to to show to us the depth of the love of God for us. You see, it was the crucifixion of the Son of God in which God actually reveals the depth of His love for us. And we must remember always that the cross was God's plan for Jesus to provide salvation for us, for us sinful people lost in our sin. But God determined in His heart, a heart filled with love for us, that He would send His perfect Son into the world to be our Savior so that our sins could be forgiven. When we look at the cross, I think we see at least three lessons about God's love. First, when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his all for us. He gave his all for us because he died for us and he gave his life. Occasionally, we read of someone who is brave enough and generous enough and kind enough to volunteer to donate a kidney to someone who's in need of, of a kidney transplant. And that's a a great thought of generosity, isn't it? In fact, you you might know someone who has done something like that. We have friends in our family who, 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 who a sister in the family donated a kidney to a brother. And and you see, the, the recipient is the one who benefits from everything that the donor does. The donor gives up willingly a perfectly healthy kidney to someone who needs that kidney to function knowing that if anything happens to that one remaining kidney they have, then they're going to be in need of a transplant or go on dialysis. But what a wonderful sacrificial gesture of love that is. Interesting thing we might want to think about is take that thought a little bit deeper. And that is that while we think about uh, people donating a kidney, you never hear of anybody donating a heart. Why? Because to donate your heart as a living donor would mean that you would have to give up your life for that. 
And no one does that. You might be willing to give up a kidney, but you wouldn't give up your heart because you give up your life when you do that. But you think about what Jesus did on the cross, and that's exactly what he did. Jesus willingly sacrificed his life. He gave up his life. When Jesus said, it is finished, he accomplished what he came to do. He died for us. He took our place. He paid the penalty for our sin. He did everything required to provide salvation for us. It was his love from the Father that sent him to the cross for us. And then when Jesus died on the cross, we see that he gave his life for his enemies. Who were the enemies of God? We have to acknowledge today that that's you and that's me. Romans 5 tells us that at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul would also write in Colossians 1, 21 and 22 and say, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. When Jesus cried out on the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing, there are two truths that we have to understand from that cry from the cross. The first is that Christ did not wait until we were in right relationship with him or until we had repented and asked for forgiveness and gotten our life in order before he died for us. But he died for us while we were still sinners, while we were alienated from him, while we were separated from him, while we were enemies of his. We have to remember that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the second truth is we must realize that we were the ones that Jesus prayed for, that we would be forgiven because we did not know what we were doing. You see, we were enemies of Jesus. We were the ones nailing him to the cross. We were there that day. And we must always remember that we were at the foot of the cross, guilty of the death of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his life voluntarily. Jesus went to the cross completing his own will because he chose to die for us. In John 10, Jesus said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. I think sometimes we're guilty of looking at this entire episode in the life of Jesus Christ that leads to our salvation and seeing Jesus somehow as a helpless pawn in the deceitful schemes of Satan. But the bottom line is, is, is that Jesus was orchestrating all these events. He was in total control. He willingly laid down his life for us, knowing that he had the power to take it up again. 
Jesus was in complete control at every moment. From the time he was betrayed and arrested and denied, even when his disciples tried to resist, Jesus rebuked them by saying, Do you not think I could call on my Father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? When the people gave their taunts at Jesus, and when they yelled out and said, He saved others, why can't He save Himself? You know, it was possible Jesus could have saved Himself. He was God in the flesh, He had all power. He could have taken Himself down off of that cross. But a stronger power held Him to that cross. And that was the power of His love for you and for me. Jesus didn't die for us because we were worth dying for. He died for us because of God's unconditional love for us, even in our sin. In the 1959 movie, Ben-Hur, the director has a magnificent job of having Jesus in one of the last scenes writhing in agony on the cross in a driving rainstorm. And suddenly a drop of his blood splatters into the water at the foot of the cross. And then another, and then another, until the water is stained with the blood of Jesus Christ. And then that pool of water flows down and overflows into another, which in turn flows into a river where it flows into the oceans, symbolically spreading throughout the earth. What a message is packed into that scene. The message is that it's the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross of Calvary. And only that blood is able to cleanse you and me of all of our sin. For that reason, we must always remember, we must always honor. And we must always revere the cross of Jesus Christ. Today we remember the cross of Jesus Christ as we partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper. We take of the bread which symbolizes the body of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. We partake of the cup which reminds us of the blood of Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Because without the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness of sins. If you cherish that cross of Christ and you understand the depth of God's love for you and you've responded to that love in repentance and faith, then he invites you to partake of this bread and this cup and remember the cross.